I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com with Scott Eklund. It is uh, Wednesday morning. I know we had a radio show last night, but we wanted to do a recruiting podcast in lieu of a blog. When we do the podcast, we can just get so much more information crammed in there. And we tend to speak a little bit more freely on a podcast than anything that we would put and print. Um, the uh, last night's event, Tommy Togiai's uh, talk of... This season's recruiting period uh, committed to Ohio State last night. What does that mean for Washington? Scott, is it over? It's not over. Um, I'd say it's definitely not a good situation for the Huskies. But um, Ikaika Malloy, as of last night, um, I I checked with some sources, and as of last night, he was planning to still go uh, up there for an official or an in-home visit. And um, the the plan, I guess, had been for him to show up on Saturday and spend, <clears throat> excuse me, spend almost the whole day <clears throat> with the family. But um, it, now it looks like he's probably going to end up going up on Wednesday, try to hose him off a little bit and see what happens. Utah, Utah has coaches expected to be in there today. Um, I, I really think this is still... Uh, a door is cracked open for either Washington or Utah, probably Washington more likely uh, to get in there, get back in there and possibly flip him. But at this point in time, not definitely not a good situation for the Huskies. Tommy's one of those guys that's not talking to the media often, um, if at all, and he's been real difficult to, to read. Um, is this one of the situations, you know, in your opinion, um, that – uh, has been brewing for some time, or is this just something that were uh, the in-home visit caught up in the moment? What would be your best guess? No, I don't think this was uh, caught up in the moment kind of situation for Tommy. I, I think he he had been pretty deliberative in the way he did things. The one thing I will say though is that he was leaning Ohio State's way. He was a heavy Ohio State lean for uh, quite some time. Uh, he visited there officially, and and then he took his visit to Washington, and the Washington visit changed things for him. Washington's visit, <clears throat> Washington actually wasn't going to have even a chance at getting him. I'm sorry. <clears throat> and um, they weren't going to have really a chance at getting him. And then all of a sudden, after the official visit, he, you know, they, they got right back in there and were actually considered the favorite. And by quite a few people. And um, so Washington did a heck of a job getting back in it, but then they weren't able to close him uh, when Chris Peterson went out there. I think it was, you know, Chris Peterson, I think if, if in hindsight, he would probably have made his in-home visit this week instead of uh, the first week of December when they did go out there and kind of prioritize him. But I think Chris Peterson thought he was going to close him and be able to get him in the fold. That didn't happen. Then Urban Meyer gets in there, and Urban Meyer is a legendary closer. And um, while Chris Peterson's a pretty good closer himself, he just wasn't able to get it done at that point in time. So now they're kind of playing catch-up again. But things have kind of swung full circle for Togiai because he was ready to commit to uh, Ohio State for quite a while, and then Washington changed his mind. So if you look at it that way, there's a lot of people saying that Kaika Malloy failed or Washington failed and blah, 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 all this stupid stuff that people don't really have a clue what's going on. Basically, what it is is Washington put themselves in a position to actually get him because by really doing a great job of recruiting him. And um, this is not something where he was high on them from the very beginning. I mean, he always liked Washington, 
But Washington made up a ton of ground on Ohio State and actually put themselves in a in a place to get possibly to possibly get in. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. But there's still a little bit of time, still seven days. I still think Washington's got a slight chance to flip him. He commits to Ohio State, but he's still allowing Utah and Washington to come in. Any read well, on well, that? Well, we're not 100% sure on that, but at this point in time, that was still the plan. Okay. And again, it's uh, Wednesday morning. By noon on Wednesday, things can change. And that's the thing in recruiting. Things can always change. It's always a fluid situation. Yeah, especially this time of year. It, it's just it's that time when coaches are getting in and these coaches are played, paid multi-millions of dollars to sway kids one way or the other. And and uh, it can definitely become a lot for the families and, and things like that. I think his family just felt more comfortable with Ohio State. Like I said, Washington's still got a slight chance, but it's it's going to be tough. I, I don't know the right word to use, uh, you know, with uh, people on our site, whether it's an obsession, uh, a fixation, but people really seem to be focused, you know, on our site. They really seem to be focused on this guy. Why? Well, I think some of it had to do with Marlon Tui-Pelotu from last year and his situation. I think some of it had to do with the fact that Washington really hasn't recruited, um, other than Levi Amuzarike, they really haven't recruited a lot of big-time guys along the defensive line. And I think Tommy Togiai, while, okay, if you – put Tommy Togiai in the same class as Marlon Tui-Pelotu and some of those guys from last year, I've been told by several people that he would have been a three-star most likely last year because, you know, you look at his film and he looks incredible and, and he's getting penetration, but he's doing it against Idaho talent. And let's be honest, Idaho talent is not at the same level as, as California or even Oregon to a certain extent. So, um, I think a lot of people are obsessed with him because the, the recruiting class out West was tough and are very, very low in talent. I mean, there was only about four or five guys that were even worthy. And then you've got teams like Michigan, like Texas, like Texas A&M and Oklahoma and Ohio State coming in and offering these kids. So it isn't just the Pac-12 schools that Washington and USC and Oregon and all these schools had to fight off. They also had to fight off guys you know, schools from the Midwest and the East. So <clears throat> I think that's one of the reasons is probably Marlon Tui-Pelotu's situation, but also the fact that Washington's fans knows <clears throat> that they're going to lose their best player in Vita Vea uh, to the NFL this year. They're probably going to end up losing great gains, and Washington hasn't really replenished the stockpile, if you will, um, very well. You know, I, I think some people are giving up on some guys a little bit early, but – um, there's still the possibility that, that Washington can flip this kid and there's some other names starting to pop up as well. Yeah. And we'll talk, get into that, but you know, want to talk, you know, and when I talk about this or you talk about it or Chris, it just sends some people over the edge because any criticism of Chris Peterson just is not met, uh, well, but you know, when Chris Peterson was hired to come to the university of Washington, the question was, you know, can he compete with the big boys, nobody on our staff has ever said he couldn't, but, you know, that was something that was, you know, we didn't know if he was going to be able to adapt. Has he adapted? Has he figured out how to beat the big boys? You know, USC, Ohio State, and even Stanford, have they developed enough of a reputation to go in to the ring with those guys, Scott, like a situation like this with Tui Pelotu next year, and do they deserve any criticism, you know, for not being able to pull these guys out? 
Um, you know, it's a good question. I, I, I would say that he has adapted a lot of his recruiting style. I mean, before he didn't want to offer guys until he saw <clears throat> some of their senior film. He didn't want to see, you know, didn't, he wanted to do his full evaluation on these kids and blah, blah, blah. I think they're still doing their full evaluations on kids, <clears throat> but that full evaluation is not is happening a lot faster than it was before. And I think he's sped up his timeline. Washington has tried to get their class pretty much filled up before uh, the holidays almost every year that Chris Peterson has been here because he really wants to focus on the 20 uh, on the next class, you know, and, and really get a head start on that. And that's been very successful for Washington because they've sent out a lot of offers early on in the process, stuff that wasn't necessarily happening uh, before Chris Peterson got uh, to the university of Washington. So as far as that, I would say he's adapted as far as being able to, actually win uh some some recruiting battles against the big boys they have won a few uh here and there um they have it hasn't been super successful but you know even don james had his lack of success against usc um even don james had some struggles against uh stanford and stanford while while they aren't a world beater anymore they're still a very solid program led by a guy who's a very good recruiter in david shaw so, um, you know, Washington's still battling also. The other thing Chris Peterson's battling against is the fact that Washington, before he took over Washington's program, granted, it, you know, Sark had brought it back to at least a competent level. But Washington, a lot of these kids are used to Washington not being a very good program. They've only seen two years of Washington being a top 10 team. So <clears throat> as far as you know, him not being able to play against the big boys, I think it's still kind of an incomplete um, evaluation of, of his skills at this point because I don't think we he, he really has the, the full firepower behind him at this point because Washington is still not there on, on the same level. I mean, look, when, when Urban Meyer walks into a room, he's got a national championship. He's got two of them, actually. Um, he's got... Um, you know, all of the cachet that, that comes along with what he's been able to do as a coach. And <clears throat> that's tough to fight against. And he's a legendary recruiter. He can go into any room, yeah. any living room in the country. And unless it's Nick Saban, he's going to be the guy who you would favor to, to come out with the guys. So it's, it's, I think Chris Peterson's still kind of incomplete at this point when it comes to going up against the big boys. But as far as his adapt adapting to the evaluation process i think he's done a pretty good job there's a new name in the recruiting circles for washington uh scheduled a visit for january uh tennessee putatow putatow okay putatow okay yeah uh he's almost six to 260 pounds he's he's listed as an outside linebacker in in, uh 24-7's database but really He's more of a going to be a down defensive lineman. He's going to easily get up to about 280, 290. He's a three tech. You watch this kid's film. He comes off the edge unbelievably well. He is very, very physical. And Washington has had been recruiting him for a while. They offered him. He's a four star outside linebacker, but he's going to be a defensive lineman when he gets to college. Um, I think Washington's got a shot at this kid. Uh, he just recently start, firmed up an official visit to Washington on January 12th. I think some of this in, is in reaction to Tommy Togiai, but I'm not 100% sure on that because this kid had already locked in his visit before Washington ever found out about 
uh, Tommy Togiai's situation. So um, Ikaika Malloy is in uh, was in Utah yesterday. He was meeting with Sammy Taimani, um, who just committed to Washington. But then uh, he met with uh, Tennessee Pudatow at East High School, and Washington um, locked in a with him. So don't be surprised if the Huskies are able to reel this kid in. Kyler Gordon, special corner out of Archbishop Murphy, Washington, and Notre Dame. Give us the latest on uh, Kyler Gordon. Well, there's a report out of a Notre Dame website that uh, that says that Kyler Gordon is going to uh, – their prediction is that Kyler Gordon is going to cancel his visit to the University of Washington and um, end up committing to uh, uh, Notre Dame. And um, I'm not saying that's not going to happen, but as of today, that is not the case. And everything that I've heard – um, from the Gordon camp and from uh, UW is that he's still scheduled to visit and Washington is going to uh, do their best to lock him down and get him in the fold. So um, at this point in time, I would take that report a little bit with a grain of salt. I don't know who those people are that uh, have, have reported this. So um, all I can tell you is what I know as of today, and that's that he's going to visit the University of Washington, and I still feel pretty good about Washington's chances. Now, if he doesn't end up showing up, obviously that changes the dynamic quite a bit. And um, if that's the case, that's really a huge loss for the University of Washington if they aren't able to reel in a guy who um, was favoring them for a very long time and lives very close. Julius Irvin is a guy that I know Washington will take no matter what. I know that they love Julius Irvin. He was a kid who visited a couple months ago, actually. Um, it sounded like Washington was real uh, up there on his list, and then he started taking visitors. They fell off a little bit, but it looks like Washington's making a comeback on Julius Irvin. Yeah, definitely making a comeback on him. He's a uh, um, you know, 6'2", 185-pound uh, safety cornerback prospect out of uh, Servite High School. Washington has done very well out of Servite recently. They got um, uh, Terrell Bynum out of St. John Bosco, but he was a Servite guy when they offered him, and, and he became very interested in them. Um, uh, they got uh, – I'm drawing a blank on his name. The kid from uh, – Servite, who's the cornerback, the large corner, Keith Taylor. Right. They got Keith Taylor out of uh, Servite. So Washington has done pretty well out of Servite. I think they feel pretty good about where things stand with uh, um, with uh, Julius Irvin right now. But, you know, still a lot of moving parts in this process. I know that um, he's uh, got in-homes with Notre Dame, with USC, with Washington this week. And then he'll decide. And, uh I think Washington feels pretty good, but it's it's still kind of up in the air. I know he was in uh, – Chris Peterson was in home earlier this week. I think uh, that there, that all the head coaches are going to be coming in to see him. Uh, you know, the other head coaches that are on him are coming in to see him the rest of this week. So going to be a tough pull for Washington, but I still think they're in there swinging away. You think uh, Irvin is a kid that will make um... – will sign on during the early signing period or do you think it's going to go a little longer with them that that's what i've been told is that he's going to he's get you know when, when he and i talked over the summer and in the early part of you know right after washington's visit his visit to washington he told me he was planning to sign mid-year but um you know things can always change some of these kids might not just might not be ready to sign and they might want to see what assistant coaches are leaving or what head coaches might be leaving so he might decide to wait. At this point in time, I expect him to sign uh, mid-year, but 
anything's possible, man. It, I mean, it, this has been a crazy, it's, it's really a weird dynamic that we're having to get used to this mid-year signing period. Cause a lot of these kids didn't even know about the mid-year signing period when it was, what that entailed, what that meant for them. They, they've been having to be educated by their, their, their own coaches, by the coaches at the schools recruiting them, all this different stuff. So I think next year we'll have a little bit more defined situation because the kids will be used to it. But at this point in time, man, it is, it's a very strange dynamic that we're dealing with where some kids may or may not sign that even are 100% committed, but they want to see where things stand with the coaches that they're being recruited by. Washington right now, 17 commits? Yes, they're at uh, 17 commits with the three they got last week. And uh, I expect them to take upwards of five more, but three more is probably the more realistic goal, at least at this point in time. Done at wide receiver. Absolutely done at wide receiver. They got Trey Lowe, Marquise uh, Spiker, and Austin Osborne. Uh, Marquise Spiker and Austin Osborne will be in this week. They they are absolutely in love with Washington. They're exciting players. Washington is really uh, has to be really excited about the fact that these guys are going to come in and possibly challenge for early playing time because they really could use it out of that wide receiver spot now that Dante Pettis is gone. And we don't know what Chico McClatcher's status is going to be. We're pretty sure he's going to be just fine. But we don't know. We're, we're, you know, it, a, a lot of it depends on how he heals and if he doesn't re-injure it or re-aggravate things. So um, they need wide receivers. And last year's class was a good start, but they need more. And and they have, they've got one of the best wide receiver classes in the country, not just the Pac-12, but in the country. Running back, they're done. Offensive line, they're done. Tight end, they're done. Correct. Absolutely. Uh, unless something weird happens with the offensive line, because I know they would still like to bring in one more guy along the offensive line, but if it's not the right guy, they're going to save it for next year. When they take, I believe they'll take four guys next year. Let's clear something up. Sam Taimani, he's a defensive he, lineman. Yeah, he is absolutely a defensive lineman. I'm, I'm, and especially MJ situation. MJ Ole, definitely an offensive lineman. MJ yeah, definitely an offensive lineman. He is not a defensive lineman. He rarely played defensive line in high school. And uh, to throw him in there and think that he's going to be successful, yeah, not, not going to happen. So people can stop posting about Tomani playing offensive line, and they can stop posting about Ole playing defensive line, correct? Well, we we can say they can stop that, but they're, they're probably not going to. A lot of people are going to speculate until it actually happens. Yeah. Uh, quarterback got a little bit interesting with uh, K.J. Carter-Samuels announcing that he's going to go ahead and take his fifth-year transfer. Um, and then, um, kind of interesting, it's out there on Facebook with Daniel Bridge-Gad saying he's a former athlete at University of Washington. So... We haven't heard anything, and I've asked around, and nobody's been able to confirm that he's leaving. But, uh, you know, with two quarterbacks leaving, they have two committed in Sermon and uh, Yankoff. But Tanner McKee is still out there. Yeah, Tanner McKee, is uh, he's the quarterback at Corona Centennial, one of the power programs down there in Southern California, the Inland Empire. Uh, one of the best programs in the state of uh, California, and I would say a top 50 team in the entire country for um, just coaching and talent and all that stuff. Tanner McKee is the uh, quarterback there, and he um, is looking to possibly sign with a school, leave um, for his mission, and then come back. So this is a kid who Washington could still bring in as a um, quarterback in this class, 
but he actually wouldn't count until the 2020 class because of his mission status. So um, I think Washington is still very, very interested in him. I know Bush Hamden has been in contact with him. And uh, don't be surprised if he's a guy who winds up a Husky, but uh, they've got some stiff competition. Stanford is out there, and I know that was a school that he was really high on for quite some time. And uh, there's a few other schools, but I think Washington's in a pretty good spot for him, at least at this point in time. It was real interesting when he was on his visit. I saw him down on the sidelines, and the first thing that strikes you, he's a really tall kid. He's 6'5"-ish. I mean, he may even be 6'6", from what I saw. Um, You know, he's not rail thin, um, but uh, boy, he's really tall. Maybe the tallest quarterback Washington's had in quite some time. And not Mm -hmm. only that stood out, but his mom and dad were with them, as well as brothers and sisters. So there was quite a contingent up here on the visit with Tanner McKee. Read into that what you may. Yeah, uh, I, I, like I said, I like. <clears throat> I mean, just following up on what you said, Kim. It, it, Washington is a school that he's been very serious about. He was very serious about them when Jonathan Smith was here. I think he's very serious about them with Bush Hamden coming in. I think Washington's got a great shot at reeling him in, but. You know, uh, he doesn't talk to the media a ton either. You know, Greg Biggins and Brandon Huffman have done a good job of talking to him and getting his story and what you know what where things stand with him. But uh, you know, I I my only read is what I what I know from from secondhand sources and things like that. But I feel pretty good about where Washington stands with him. Uh, they need one more defensive lineman, Scott, preferably a wide body. Yeah, I, I would say a, definitely an interior guy. They 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 really want to get an interior guy who can who can come in and and uh, possibly challenge for playing time, but at the very least be a developmental guy for them. Losing Ollie Gay to uh, junior college, which you know we kind of found out about that. I had been hearing that there was a chance that he might not get in. He had kept ma- maintaining that he's all set for the univer- you know to sh- show up at the University of Washington. Ended up not being the case. So um, you know. We'll have to see. I still think that there's a shot at Tommy Togiai, but if not Tommy Togiai, then they got to get a guy like like uh, Tennessee Pudatow to to um, you know commit to them in in January. And the nice thing is you have these two signing periods, so you know who you have locked in, and you don't know. Uh, and, and you know what positions you're going to have to go for. So um, and it'll give them a good. What three and a half weeks? Uh, even though the coaching, con- the coaches' conference is going to take up part of that, but they'll have three weeks to to kind of reevaluate their board, reevaluate the guys that they're really in on, and and who who likes them the most, and they can make uh, overtures to some of these guys that maybe weren't high on them before, but now could be. So, um, it like I said earlier in this podcast, this is a very different dynamic than we've had. Uh, linebackers, one or two more linebackers. Uh, yeah, I, I'd see it's probably going to be in one more linebacker, but I think they'd take two. If a guy like uh, Pale Noteote wanted to commit in Feb- on February 2nd, the weekend, the last weekend before signing day, I think he would, but um, they would take him. But I think Brandon Cahill is going to be the guy they put a lot of their uh, – their uh, um, chips in, and he's a guy from Reno. He's coming up to visit this weekend, and he's a guy who I think we really need to keep an eye on. Uh, Washington really likes him a lot. Um, Alabama uh, is probably the leader. He's still committed to BYU, but most feel that uh, he's not going to wind up going to BYU. But Alabama would be the leader. I think BYU's still kind of in the mix. 
and Washington is definitely there as well. This weekend is going to tell the tale on how serious he is about them. Corner, safety, they still need one of each. Yeah, I would say one of each. Um, you're probably looking at, if they can get Kyler Gordon and Julius Servan, I think they'll call it a day. Um, oh, they, I think, they pop champagne, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. I um, I think they would definitely do that. Um, I know that, um, you know, there's Stephen Blaylock out there, but, you know, he had, I think he's taken his uh, official visit to um, U, uh, UCLA, and he's currently committed there right now. I think he's taken his, well, actually, he doesn't have his, his uh, visit scheduled, at least in our database, for UCLA. So we'll have to see when he visits there, but... Um, I, you know, with UCLA hiring Paul Rhodes, I think he wants to get a chance to, to go in and talk to him a little bit. Um, but, uh, Washington's in there with him as well. It kind of blew him away, man. That was that visit last weekend really blew him away. And I think opened his eyes to what the possibilities could be, but you know, these rumors about Jimmy Lake, uh, possibly leaving. And I know he's not leaving this year, at least not this year, but these rumors, you know, it's something Washington's going to have to fight against until, Something is resolved with Jimmy Lake, whether he stays or goes or just says, I'm not going anywhere, period. But, you know, all these different things. It's it's all about sales, and you gotta you got to make these sales to these kids. And, and it's something Washington hasn't had to deal with for a long time, and now they are. Right. And uh, we're getting down to crunch time, you know, just uh, less than a – well, we've got a week left, uh, you know, before the early signing period. Things can change in a heartbeat, so it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. Will Washington lose any guys? Will some guys that we anticipate signing early not sign? Will they be able to get some guys to flip? You know, lots of interesting stuff in the next week. So anything else we need to cover, Scott? No, at this point in time, I think people just need to be a little patient. I understand the angst on the D-line recruiting. I, I get it. You need to understand that Washington, it was a down year this year on the defensive line. and It's not easy to get these guys in. If, if it was easy, everybody would be getting D-line on, you know, all over the place. So I understand the angst, but, you know, it's not over yet. Washington's still got a chance to reel in a very, very, very good class, probably the best class since uh, Peterson has gotten here. And uh, I think Chris Chris Fetter said it last night, um, and I actually would agree that this class has the potential to be like uh, um, Sarkeesian's final full recruiting class, and that has basically been a cornerstone of these – top 10 teams that we've that we've watched on the field the last couple of years. So um, don't give up yet. I know that people are concerned, but I, I really wouldn't worry about it as much as some of the people that are. And the, the ironic thing is it's people who've been around for a long time that should know a little bit better, but that's just the way things go, I guess. Yeah, and when you're talking, you know, subscribers <clears throat> out there and people are listening to this podcast, when you're sharing this information with your friends, just tell them to sign up for the site. You know, just say, hey, you know, if you really want to get into this and you really want to follow it, it's all out there on dogman.com and, you know, get them as addicted as you are. So, hey, for all of us at dogman.com, we'll put up podcasts when they're applicable. You know, we'll put up updates when they're applicable. So just stay tuned and we'll get you guys the information as soon as we can. Just understand that things don't always change. You know, things stay the same and then they can change. So if we're not getting updates... Things may not have changed and there may not be any new information. So, hey, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds with Scott Eklund. Go dogs.